0: I think we all would agree that we live in extraordinary times. There is a a feeling in the air of uncertainty. We sense that there is, to use the words of scripture, something menacing the world. Our governments, whatever authorities we have that rule over us, no longer seem to be their own Master, it's almost as if they're puppets. The Holy Father recently complained and warned us to beware of fake news. And um, how are we to know what is fake and what is not? We know we can't trust the media. We, we, um, and even the social media is not reliable and there's just so much information coming from so many different directions that it is confusing. As Christians, and in particular as Catholics, we have a firm anchor. In fact, the scriptures are very clear. Hold fast to that which you first receive. That's the bottom line. Hold fast to what you first receive. It's in every single one of the epistles. Every single one of the epistles. St. Paul's letters, St. Peter's letters, St. John, St. James, St. Jude. Hold fast to what you have once received. Because what we received was from Christ, who is the eternal word of truth. He imparted it to his disciples. They in turn to their successors, the bishops. And so when we see things are changing around us, we have reason to be concerned. We are living in what is called the Marian Age. The Marian Age began in 1830 with the apparition of Our Blessed Lady at Rudibach in Paris. And when she appeared in that particular apparition, two things are very striking. First of all, she came with a globe a golden globe, and she came with the rings. The globe, we were led to understand by Saint Catherine Labore, represented each individual soul, France, and the whole world. The rings represented the graces that she mediates to us. Our Lady is not the source of graces, Christ is. Christ is the sole redeemer but he mediates his redemption through his saints. Primarily the church, but singularly and individually, our blessed lady, and then the other saints, each according to their own um, position in the hierarchy that God has established. Then there was, this. so this is the apparition 1830 at Rudabac, this is followed by La Salette, where again, our Lady showed, appeared there um, weeping, as a mother's very sorrowful, and then at Lourdes, of course, in um, 1858, where she asked for the people to come in procession with penance, with the intention of making reparation for sin, penance. And then a knock, which is a silent apparition, not a word is spoken, but again she was there at the Mass, because at Knock, what the visionaries saw, and there were some 18 of them, from little children, two years old, to adults in their 70s, and every, each one of those um, seers saw the same thing. Just the altar, the Lamb of God on it, angels circling, Our Lady standing there, St. John preaching, and St. Joseph by her side. So we get the impression of the holy family, we get the impression of the mass, we get the importance of intercession of the saints. And then, so that's that's at Nock in 1879, and then Fatima in 1917, about which we're concerned since this is the centenary, the 100th anniversary of that series of apparitions. There are other apparitions subsequent to this, Borang and Bano in particular, and also Akita, which was in the 1970s. And I'm only concentrating on those apparitions that have been recognized by the church. Because if it does not have ecclesiastical recognition, church approval, it could be a fake, it could be a fraud, it could be a deception of the devil, or whatever. But once the church has sanctioned it, we know we're standing on solid ground. The 19th century, was a time of change, just as the 20th century was and this present century is. It was a time of rapid change. There was political and social changes, especially in the aftermath of the French Revolution and the revolutions that followed, namely that of 1830, which Our Lady had prophesied to, to St. Catherine Bore in 1830 when she appeared back. It was the fact that St. Catherine, who was 22 years at the time from the country, not highly educated, was able to say there would be a revolution and the bishop would be killed when there was no um, social unrest to indicate there was a revolution. And then, of course, the great year of revolutions, 1848, when there were revolutions right through Europe, with the exception of Britain. That was the only country exempt from the revolutions. And the revolution, in fact, even drove Pope Pius IX from Rome. So France, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Germany, and so on. There was industrialization, that also produced a lot of change, and of course there was the emergence of the new technical and scientific discoveries, which of course we would laugh at today, but back then they were new, just as the cell phone or or the scientific discoveries we're making are exciting to us today. And there was the development of commerce and the industrial interests, these were gaining power. So the, the, the control of the society was slowly being shifted to an elite group of financiers. We are suffering the consequences of this today. There was also a greater emphasis on nationalization and an increase in materialism that went with it because the, the 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 countries of the 19th century were, most of them were were governed by kings, they were monarchs, monarchies, but there was a sense now that the people should take power and so there was this drive for democracy and with it of course the rejection of an elite group to govern or at least a hereditary elite group to govern because we have whether we like it or not, even today, an elite group that governs us. But above all, there was a call for the separation of church and state. And this was um, serious and, in fact, was rejected by the popes for the simple reason that we are not um, disfun- um, disjunct creatures. We don't have a religious life and a social life. We're one creature and the whole life has to be embraced. And apart from that, the church saw herself and still sees herself as being the moral teacher to indicate whether laws enacted are moral or not. If you remove the church from this, then there is no norm. How will you know what is right, what is good, what is moral or the country? There was also, um, in this nationalization, an, an urge for certain countries to come together. In particular, Germany and Italy, because up until the middle of the 19th century, the, the last um, quarter of the 19th century, they were separate countries. And they were made up of, of smaller states and so there was a sense that they had to be united if they were to become um, countries in their own right. Um, and so there was also that movement, but it was driven essentially by a revolutionary mind. Also, the, in fact we could say that the whole of the 19th century was governed by the spirit that had animated that brought about the French Revolution. And in it, the church in particular was under attack. We tend to think, well, all of, most of these countries are Catholic and therefore they are devout and they practice and they love priests and they love the church and they love the Pope. Not so, or yes and no. France, which is called the eldest daughter of the church for the reason that France was the first country to become Catholic as a country and therefore, she's called the eldest daughter of the church. She, France, as a result of the um, French Revolution, had become anti-clerical. That is, the government was anti-clerical. The ordinary people were practicing Catholics, but they found themselves suddenly governed by this anti-clerical spirit, which, resulted in the closure of Catholic schools, the expulsion of religious orders, and a refusal to have the church, to, to give the church any say or influence in the society. The same thing was happening in Germany, in what was called the kulturkampf and this Christian morality itself was rejected. In, the, in Italy, there was a drive for unification, and so the papal states were taken away in 1870, and Victor Emmanuel was declared king over united Italy. The Pope being a prisoner in the Vatican. There were also left-wing socialist and anarchist groups active in much of the Catholic world, such as Spain and Portugal. In fact, Portugal was was taken over by a Masonic government in. Um, 1908 and the, whilst the people for the most part remained faithful and devout, the government was anti-church, anti-Catholic, anti-clerical to such a degree that 6,000 priests were imprisoned in the first three years. Many others were killed religious orders were expelled. The same thing was happening on this side of the world, across the Atlantic. So Mexico found itself governed by a Masonic government, where priests were shot on the, in the streets, simply for being priests. And of course, the great hero in Mexico is um, Saint um, um, Miguel Pro. But right through South America, the same thing was happening. And this Masonic government would even be bordering on the communists. To the extent that in Nicaragua, Pope John Paul, when he went to Nicaragua, was insulted publicly by Jesuit priests, in particular, Father Cardinal. So we have the 19th century as, as a period of great turmoil. The 1914, the Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated and this, was, this resulted in the outbreak of the First World War. And what was at stake was not a principle, not even t- territorial gains. It was as if Europe went mad. And so you had on one side, Britain, France, and Russia, on the other side, on the other side, the Central Powers, Germany, the Austria, Hungary, and Turkey. And the war broke out, which was, to say the very least, the bloodiest war ever fought. And whereas it was expected the victory would be quick, it was not. And it resulted in trench warfare, where literally millions were killed. Pope Benedict the fifteenth um, assumed office in nineteen fourteen, and he did his best to try to bring peace to the warring nations, and no one listened to him. They were not interested. As far as they're concerned, the church had nothing to say. In fact, the president of the US, Wilson, complained and said, Why is that old man interfering in what is not his business? Referring to Pope Benedict. So, what did the Pope do? On the 4th of May, 1917, he called the children in Rome to St. Peter's and he asked them to pray. He said, intercede for your fathers and brothers, your uncles, your cousins who are fighting. Ask God to bring peace. He also wrote an encyclical, Begging for Peace, and at the end of it, he added the title Queen of Peace to the Litany of Loreto. And nine days later, on the 13th of May, our Lady appeared at Fatima, the power of prayer. Where is Fatima? Fatima is a little town, a little village actually in north of Portugal. It is, in 1917, 100 years ago, it was a place of no consequence. It had, um, it, it flared up a few times in history, it was named after um, Mohammed's favorite daughter. Um, but it was never a place of great importance until 1917. There was a little hamlet about a mile from Fatima called Hachistrel and there lived two family, well, uh, the, the two families are going to now be center in the message of Fatima the Dos Santos, and the Mato families. Lucia uh, Dos Santos was born in 1907, in March, March 28th, and her two cousins, brother and sister, Francesco Mato, was born on the 11th of June, 1908, and his younger sister, Jacinta, on the 11th of March 1910. So at the time of the apparitions, Lucia was 10 years, Francesco 9, and Jacinta 7. They were illiterate. Their family wasn't poor, wasn't rich either. They were comfortable, and they looked after sheep. They were shepherds this was common, that the children would look after the sheep belonging to the family. And so they would take the sheep out for pasture. In, the, in 1916, which is the year before the apparitions of Our Lady, the children had taken their sheep out to pasture and being children, After they had their lunch, they said the rosary and began to play. Suddenly, they felt a strong wind, and the wind was shaking the trees. They looked up, expecting to see clouds, but it was a blue sky. And there they saw, and I quote, a light whiter than snow in the form of a young man, transparent and brighter than crystal pierced by the rays of the sun, he approached them and said do not be afraid I am the angel of peace pray with me and prostrating himself the children copied him as well he said my God I believe, I adore, I trust and I love you I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore do not trust and do not love you And he repeated this many times and the children themselves repeated it after him. After a while he rose and said, pray like that. The hearts of Jesus and Mary are attentive to the voice of your supplication. God listens to the prayers of little children. This was in the spring of 1916. As Lucia said, we, at that time we didn't know how to count the days, or the weeks, or the months. She just knew to the spring. Sometime in the summer, when the sun was very hot, the, the, the children didn't go into, into the country, but rather they stayed close to the hamlet. And there in Ajistrel, they, would play, they had just finished eating again and they were playing. And the angel appeared again and said, what are you doing? Pray, pray a great deal. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have designs of mercy for you. Offer your prayers and sacrifices to the Most High. Lucy asked, well, what sacrifices? She was nine years at the time. What sacrifices? The angel responded, make everything you do a sacrifice and offer it as an act of reparation for the sins by which God is offended, and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. Bring peace to your country in this way. I am its guardian angel, the angel of Portugal. Above all, accept and bear with submissions, the sufferings sent to you by our Lord little children. He's telling them to accept the sufferings God will send them. And the children were more than happy to do so. They started immediately. They fasted. They would give the food to other children who were less fortunate than themselves. They wouldn't drink water in the heat of the day to the point where they they would come in delirious, but they were glad to do so. So this second apparition happened closer to home. The third one occurred on the place called Valinos. Again, they were with their sheep and the angel appeared. But this time he carried with him a chalice and a horse. He left the chalice suspended in the air, the host above it, and blood dripping into the chalice. He prostrated himself, and he prayed. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges." and indifferences by which he is offended. And through the infinite merits of the most secret heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. And then he rose, he took the, the chalice with the host, and he said, take and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ, horribly outraged by ungrateful men. Repair their crimes, and console your God. He then gave to Lucia, the host. She had made her first communion and to the two younger children, he gave them the chalice and he disappeared. These three children were called to make reparation for sinners. That's for us. The children did not say a word about the apparition. They felt they were compelled to keep quiet. They also felt exhausted after the angelic apparitions. They didn't even discuss it among themselves in any depth. They were impressed by the beauty of the angel. And then it faded until May. In May of 1917, the children were, went to the Kova Daira, which is a, um, a field outside of the, the village with their sheep. They still said the rosary, they were, they were a year older, but their, their saying the rosary was They went through it as quickly as possible, so they could play. And so, having eaten, having said the rosary, they began to play. When suddenly they they noticed the atmosphere had changed and there was a flash of light. Thinking that a storm was imminent, they gathered the sheep. And as they did so, they noticed a light descending from the east. And a globe, and it alighted on a little holm oak tree. Not very high, perhaps three or four feet high. And there in the globe, they saw this beautiful lady. And Lucius said, where do you come from? She said, from heaven. And Jacinta said, will we go to heaven? She said, yes, and Francesco too. Yes, but he must say many rosaries first. The children, she asked the children to return on the 13th day at noon for six consecutive months, promising to tell them who she was at the end of this. The children asked about some friends of theirs who had died, Maria and Neves, and our lady said, she's in heaven. She was a teenager, and Amelia, the response was, she will be in purgatory until the end of the world. The lady then asked them, do you wish to offer to God all the sufferings he desires to send you in reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for sinners?" And the children answered, yes. Or at least, I should say, Lucia and Jacinta answered yes, because Francesco could see the vision, but he could hear nothing that Our Lady said. Jacinta could see and hear, but she never spoke to Our Lady. Only Lucia heard, saw, and spoke. So Lucia was the spoke, spokesperson. So having said yes, they are willing to accept the suffering God sends them for, to make reparation and for the conversion of sinners. Our Lady opened her hands, which she is going to do in all six apparitions. She opened her hands and light poured out from her hands so that the children, as Lucia, Lucia said, that we could see ourselves in the light which is God. And they immediately cried out, O Most Holy Trinity, I adore you, I told you, my God, my God, I love you in the most blessed sacrament. That was the instinctive prayer that they made. The lady then said, pray the rosary every day in order to obtain peace for the world and an end for the war. And so saying, the globe ascended towards the east, disappearing. The children took a promise. They would say nothing about it. They would not mention this. Lucia was very, very um, strong on this. Do not say anything. So they went home. And Jacinta, on the way home, was saying, oh, what a beautiful lady, what a beautiful lady. And Lucia, Lucia said to her, stop saying that. You will give the secret away. And Jacinta said, no, I won't, I won't, but I cannot help myself. So they arrived home. And what did Jacinta do? Very first thing, mama, mama, we saw a beautiful lady in the cova. And of course, her mother dismissed it as childish imagination. But then she told her father. And her father, Timato, didn't... didn't um, a uh, tolerate lying. He knew his children didn't lie, and he was curious, so he asked Francesco, who said, yes, they had seen this beautiful lady. And of course, before long, the whole Hamlet knew about it. And the next morning, people went to Lucia's mother to ask. The mother questioned Lucia, and when Lucia said yes, the mother was very angry and punished her for lying. But Lucia would not change her mind. They insisted, all three children insisted, they had seen the lady and the lady had told them to come back on the 13th of each month until October. So the, the, the situation remained very tense and Lucia's mother was certain that nothing would happen in June because the 13th was the feast of St. Anthony. And St. Anthony is, a, is Portuguese. It's a big fiesta. Nobody would miss the, miss the feast for imagination. But on the 13th, Lucia and her cousins said they were not going to the fiesta, they were going to the cova. And so it became an issue. So they were accompanied by a few adults, and arriving there, they knelt down to pray. And at noon, there was a shimmering in the air, the light changed a little, and down came the globe, settling on the little hallmark, and the children could see our Blessed Lady. The adults who were there saw nothing Our lady said to them, I want you to come here on the 13th of next month. I want you to pray the rosary every day and to learn to read. Later on, I will tell you what else I want. And then she made a promise that she would take Jacinta and Francesco to heaven very soon. Because the children asked when she would take them to heaven. She said, I will take you very soon. Uh, Lucia she said you have to remain here for a while which made Lucia very sad and our lady said to her does that make you sad know that my immaculate heart will be your consolation and then again she opened her hands and the light came out and the beams took Jacinta and Francesco upward and the beam that landed on Lucia took her over the whole face of the earth and then she departed again towards the east so now there were adults present and they sensed something was happening because there was a change in the light and also the branches of the tree bent as if someone was standing on it and at the end they returned so these adults going back will say they saw something. So you know now in July, it's going to be big cheese. People are asking the children questions. What did you see? Describe it again and again. The children are exhausted. And so in, by the time July came, in fact, the, the, Lucia's mother had taken Lucia to see the priest who questioned her, and she would say nothing more than what she told everybody else, that the lady had come, and had spoken to her. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, to thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, to thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And the word was made flesh. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, to thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us, O Holy mother of God. Let us pray. For forth we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to in the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the messenger of an angel. May by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. May the divine assistance remain with us. Yes. So... <clears throat> Lucia's mother took her to the priest, the parish priest, who was not convinced by what Lucia had told him and said to his mother, perhaps she's being deceived by the devil. And so this idea was planted in Lucia's mind and she, as you can imagine, became very disturbed so that the, the day before, the 11th and the 12th, She had made up her mind that she was not going back. And more than that, she had a terrible nightmare in which she was seized by the devil and made up her mind she was definitely not returning to the cova. Her two cousins said, no, it's not the devil, it's not the devil. The lady is too beautiful and the devil is ugly. But Lucia had made up her mind she was not going. And so, on the 13th, um, the, the, two young, the two younger children, Francesco and Jacinta are crying, they're saying their rosary and then at the very last moment Lucia had this change of heart and she said, come, she ran to their house come, let's go, let's go, we're going to be late and arriving at the cover, the and of course the, the adults are watching so they all go to the cover. now there are a couple of score people um, 40, 50 people are there And 12 noon, there's the dimming of lights and then there's a flash and the light, the globe descends. On the hallmark, the branches bend and the children are able to see the, the virgin. The adults see nothing. Our lady said to them, I want you to come back here on the 13th of next month continue to pray the rosary every day in honor of Our Lady, in honor to obtain peace for the world and an end to the war, because only she can obtain it. She, the children said, won't you work a miracle so that everybody will believe? She said, yes, I will work a miracle in October. So we have a promise of a miracle in July, so we have August, September, October, three months. She then goes on to tell the children, sacrifice yourself for sinners, and say often, especially when you make some sacrifice, oh Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So, that's another prayer added to those the children already know. And then she opened her hands and the rays of light proceed. This time, they cut into the earth. (coughs) And the children have a vision of hell. They describe it as a huge lake full of flames. In it were demons of the most, in the shape of most horrible animals. The souls of people who had been cast there were like embers in a fire being tossed up and down and this, the burning was not only external but internal. The children cried out. And looking up to Our Lady, she said to them, You have seen hell where poor sinners go. God wishes to establish devotion to my Immaculate Heart. It is to save sinners from that place that I have come. She said then that If there was a change, then peace would be given to the world. And if there were no change, an even worse war would begin in the pontificate of Pius XI. And the Pope is mentioned by name. The Pope at the time was Benedict XV. And then she went on to make another prophecy. She said a sign that the war is about to begin is when an on, on the night of you will see an unknown light shining. When this happens, know that God is about to punish the world through a war. She's also asked for the consecration of Russia and the communion of reparation. She wanted the Pope, in union with with the bishops of the world, to consecrate Russia to her immaculate heart, saying, if this was done, peace would be given. If not, a worse war will break out in the pontificate of Pius XI. If Russia is converted, there will be peace. If not, Russia will in fact spread her errors, wars, that there be annihilation of nations. But she said, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And then she gave them another prayer to be added this time to the Rosary. O Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of your mercy. And then once more, she ascended in the globe into heaven. So now, the adults, there are lots of people, they heard the children cry out. They could hear Lucia speaking. They couldn't see anything. And the message spreads even further. So now, everybody in the region in the area is speaking about the cova and the apparitions and the children. The mayor of Orem, which is the the main town of which Fatima is part, is a Freemason. He's also an atheist. He is outraged that this nonsense should be happening in his district. He has decided that he's going to put a stop to it. So what does he do? Well, something similar to what the authorities did when um, Our Lady appeared to Bernadette Valutz. He turned up on the 13th. He turns up on the 13th of August with his carriage and he said to the parents that he would take the children to the Kofa himself. Well, the parents were not happy about it, but after all, he was the mayor. So they reluctantly agreed, and as the children got into the carriage, he whipped up the horses and went off in the opposite direction. In the meantime, at the kova, the crowds had gathered. There were hundreds, and the news went around the children, had been kidnapped and the crowd, was get, the crowd was getting angry and there was talk of going to confront the mayor when suddenly 12 noon came and the lights dimmed and some people saw a light descend and settle over the whole walk but everybody saw the leaves, the branches bend And then they straightened up and the light returned everything to normal. So the crowds realized that our lady had kept the rendezvous. In the meantime, the, the mayor had the children and was interrogating them. He wanted to know the secret. He wanted to know what the lady had said and who would put them up to this trick. And the children were they would tell him nothing. So he threatened to kill them. In particular, he was going to boil them alive. Remember, these are 10, nine, seven-year-old children. And so he started off with Jacinta. Take her, he said. And one of the guards took little Jacinta, and as she, as she was going through the door, the mayor said, make sure she's properly boiled. So the other two children were intimidated. But they would not say, what the secret was, they would say nothing more than they had told everybody else. The lady had come had spoken to them. The same thing happened to Francesco. He was taken off. And the mayor begged Lucia, said, save yourself. Why do you want to die? And Lucia said, well, if I die, I will go to heaven. The lady has promised me. And so the mayor is defeated. And when the, the Lucia, goes out, she finds her two cousins alive and well but they're locked up in prison with criminals, hardened criminals and the, in, the, in, the, in the cell the children manage to get these men, these criminals, to pray so when the mayor comes, comes in, he finds everybody in the cell praying the, ne- the next day also the father of um, Timato T- came to to Toharem to collect his children, and um, the, the mayor reluctantly released them. Some four days later, on the 19th of August, the children were at, in, in, their, um, in their little hamlet, at the Agustral when they noticed the light was changing again and he knew that our Lady is about to pay, which she did. And she said to them, go to the kofa next month. Yes, she says, I will work a miracle, but because the conditions have not been satisfied, the miracle will not be as great. Continue to pray the rosary every day. In the last month, I will perform a miracle, for all to see, for all to believe, but it will not be as great." And she departed. So by now, as you can imagine, the crowds have soared to thousands in September. And again, the lady descends, and she speaks to the children very quietly and tells them, continue to pray the rosary in order to obtain an end for the war. Next month, she said, our Lord, our Lady of Sorrows, our Lady of Mount Carmel, St. Joseph with the child Jesus will come and they will bless the world. She promised to heal a few sick people, others she said no, and then she departed. But this time, there were little petals which seemed to fall out of nowhere didn't touch the ground, it just dissolved. Other people said they heard a voice speaking, but it was like the buzz of a fly or a bee. So now we have the last month. The kidnapping of the children had produced a great deal of excitement, the news had spread even further, and for October, People were coming, everybody was talking about Fatima, and people had already started to walk, a tradition they still maintain today, from all parts of the country. The 12th, 11th and 12th of October, 1917, there was a raging storm. Rain all over the country, into Spain, even parts of France. It was a, a storm right across continental Europe. Yet, that did not prevent the people from coming. And they came in their thousands. It's estimated that the crowd at Fatima was something like 70,000 people. Half the population of Saibusha and a bit. They came mostly on foot, some came in carriages, some in in cars, but they didn't get very far because the ground was waterlogged and the carriages were sinking. In addition to this, the media, the newspapers of the day, were delighted because they were certain there would be no miracle that the trickery of the church would be revealed, it was the end of religion, and the church and the priests, the bishops, would be discredited forever. And so there would be an atheistic country at last. And the newspapers, Osekolo in particular, had the front page cover denouncing the deception practiced by the church. Insisting there was no miracle, absolutely certain, And so the reporters were there, government officials were there. Believers and unbelievers alike were present. The children, um, Lucia's mother was terrified because she knew there was going to be no miracle and she thought that her daughter would be killed she would be killed as an as associate through this um, deception. She thought this was the end of her family. Everything was, was, was over. She begged Lucia. She said, tell them you lied and perhaps we can escape. And, and Lucia said, but Mama, I didn't lie. We saw the lady. So at the very last moment, the children were carried by Timato, Francesco, Francesco's and Sent his father, brought to the crowd through the crowd. There are pictures of people under umbrellas, they, they are half the mud well above the ankles. And 12 noon, Lucia says, Close your umbrellas, the lady is coming. And as if a megaphone, as the whole crowd seemed to have heard and they close their umbrellas and the rain is pouring down. And then at 12 noon, the rain stops and the light, the globe descends over the whole market. And Lucia speaks and says, what do you want from us? And the lady responded, I want to tell you that I want a chapel to be erected here in my honor for I am the lady of the rosary continue praying the rosary every day the war will soon end the soldiers will return to their homes amend your life and do not offend god any more and then she opened her hands and she cast the light up towards the sun. And Lucia then said, look, look at the sun. And there are photographs, you can Google it, it's on, it's on the internet. But as the crowds looked up, the clouds opened and they could see the sun as a dull disk shining in the sky. And then it started to pulse, and all the colors of the rainbow, one after the other, s- reflected onto the, onto, the, onto the crowds there. Yellow, green, blue, orange, and so on, the colors of the rainbow. And then they saw the sun begin to spin. And suddenly, it dislodged itself from the sky, and like a huge fireball was heading towards the earth. And as you can imagine, there was mass public confession. People threw themselves on their feet, confessing their sins, begging for mercy. And in the same instance, as it seemed almost to reach the earth, it went back and settled in the heavens, shining as it always did, as if nothing had happened. And when the crowds, when the people caught themselves, they found that their clothes was bone dry. The ground itself was hard as if there had been no rain. I say that because one of the explanations given for it is mass hallucination, but you cannot have as a hallucination, water-locked soil being bone dry in a few seconds. That's not mass hallucination. That is a scientific fact. And this was reported by the same newspapers, at least they had that decency. They reported the same newspapers who the day before had said, this is, there will be no miracle, this is the end of religion, etc." the same ones reported what they had seen. And so you can have Osecolo, you have the two copies, the two editions side by side. One mocking and the other one confirming. The children, however, did not see the dance of the sun as it is called. They saw something very different. They saw three tableaus, three pictures. The first was that of St. Joseph the Child Jesus and Our Lady in white with a mantle. Perhaps something like the Our Lady of Lourdes or the Immaculate Conception. And Saint Joseph and the child Jesus blessed the crowd. The second was our Lord as a grown man, crowned with thorns and Our Lady of Sorrows. And the third was Our Lady of Mont Carmel. Immediately we had that, we know exactly what we're talking about. The joyful, the holy family. The sorrowful, Our Lady of Sorrows and Our Lord crowned with thorns. And Our Lady Moncamo, the glorious mysteries. So again, there's this insistence on the importance of the rosary. And so, people are now convinced they had seen the miracle, which, remember, was not as great as originally planned because Arturo Santos had kidnapped the children. It tells us something very important. One sin can lead to the condemnation of many people. So 1917 ends and 1918, the war ends. But in the autumn of 1918, influenza broke out and both Francesco and Jacinta fell ill. Francesco suffered greatly, he was in constant pain, but he made his first communion on the 3rd of April 1919 and died the next day. Jacinta developed bronchial pneumonia with a very painful chest abscess. She was first of all sent to RM for treatment, but her condition only worsened and she ended up with an open wound. (coughs) She was then sent to Lisbon um, in January of 1920 where she was diagnosed with prevalent pleurisy and diseased ribs. Surgery was uh, carried out and two of the ribs were removed and she ended up with a large wound in her side. She was in constant pain, and it would seem Our Lady appeared to her on two occasions, and she was able, in fact, to say um, that her death was imminent. Um, the, the nun who looked after her was amazed at the, 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 the strength of character in the child who embraced suffering so willingly and so readily. And so on, she made her first confession. She begged for Holy Communion, but the priest didn't think that she was so close to death. So she made her first commun- confession on 20th of April, uh, 20th February um, and died that same night. Lucia was sent Um, four years later in 1921 to Porto, to a school run by the Sisters of St. Dorothy with orders she was to say nothing about Fatima or the um, apparitions. And it's from there she would learn to read and write and she would join the Sisters. In March of 1922 a chapel which had been built as Our Lady requested was destroyed by a bomb and there were threats of violence against the pilgrims who went there. The church remained quiet. The bishop issued a pastoral letter in 1922 saying that despite Lucia's absence, government opposition, and the church's own silence, people still came to Fatima, and so he set up a commission to look into the apparitions. In 1927, the first official ceremony was held at the Cova, and pilgrimages became official, and in 1930, the bishop officially approved Fatima as worthy of belief. In 1920, so that completes the apparitions, but there are going to be another series of apparitions following on on to what has already happened at Fatima. In, on June the 13th, 1929, so this is 12 years after the, the, um, the apparitions of the Kova, Our Lady appeared to Sister Lucy. She's now joined the Dorotheans in Thai, in Spain. And in a great and sublime vision, she showed Lucia the, um, a, a, a tab a tableau of the Blessed Trinity, in which she saw this huge cross and a man up to his um, chest on the cross. Above him is another man who is holding the cross, and on his chest he has a dove. So this represents, of course, the Blessed Trinity. As we we know, for instance, in... um, in fact, today's feast, the baptism, where Christ is, is baptized in the flesh, the voice of the Father is heard, the dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove appears. Or at Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration, Christ is seen, the Father appears, and there's a cloud. So it's, it's, it's a repenta- representation of the Blessed Trinity. But at the arms of the cross, on one side, on the right-hand side, Our Lady is standing, as Our Lady of Fatima, and on the other side, there is blood dripping, and the words grace and mercy. And having shown her this, Our Lady then says, the moment has come for God to ask the Holy Father, the Pope, to make, in union with all the bishops of the world, the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. By this means, he promises to save Russia. So the request was made in 1929, and specifically, she said, the time has come. Of course, the natural question to ask is, what happened in 1929 that caused the time to come? Well, what happened was, well, many things happened, but in particular, Stalin had begun the persecution of the Catholic Church and the Russian Orthodox Church in 1929. The the, the Bolsheviks were already persecuting the Church, but Stalin now was determined to extinguish the Church, and he began in earnest. The first thing among among the things that he did was he planted KGB agents in the Russian Orthodox Church. And By 1941, so that's another 12 years, the hierarchy of the Russian Orthodox Church consisted of 130 bishops, was reduced to 28. 20%, 80% of them had been killed. And from 50,000 priests, there were only 500 left. 99% 90%, 99% of them had been killed. And 90% of the churches had been destroyed. So Lucy passed the message on. She spoke to her confessor and in turn the bishop was informed. What happened? Nothing. Can you really trust visionaries? That's the question that's been asked, I suppose. And so two years later, August 19th, notice the dates.
1: Our Lady had appeared
0: on August 19th in 1917 because the children had been kidnapped. She now appears again and says, since the church's pastors choose to delay Our Lord himself, speaking to Sister Lucy, expressed his displeasure saying, make it known to my ministers that, given they follow the example of the King of France in delaying the execution of my command, they will also follow him into misfortune. Because the Pope and bishops refused to do the consecration, They will now follow the King of France into misfortune. We're talking about the French Revolution. He also went on to say, in fact, this goes back now to the July apparition where I already spoke about the night with unknown light. On the five, just five years, um, seven years later, on the night of the 25th. 5th to 26th of January, 1938, a mysterious light covered the sky in the evening and extended over a large part of the northern hemisphere. It was called an unusual northern lights, or Aria Borealis. But it could not be, for two reasons. First, the northern lights are caused by sunspots, and at that time, there was a minimal amount of sunspot activity recorded. Secondly, the mysterious illumination of the sky, bright red, with no streaks or movement whatsoever, was entirely different from the normal occurrences. It was just the whole sky was bright red, and some people actually thought the cities were on fire. The the newspapers recorded fire engines racing around looking for the fires. And this was seen right across the northern hemisphere, from Alaska, all the way to Russia, and as far as the North Pole, all the way to northern part of um, Italy. When the American newspapers can talk about it, and they knew nothing about Fatima, it tells us something supernatural is occurring. There is no scientific, exp- ex- scientific explanation up to today. But Sister Lucy knew what was going on, and she said it was the predicted sign, the Lord, that he's about to chastise the world with another war. The predictions Sister Lucy made are part of what she passed on from what Our Lady had told her in connection with the apparitions at Fatima. And of course, the war broke out in, later that year when Hitler entered the state line. The, this reddish light was impressive in London, in France, Switzerland. The fire engines, as I said, were called out to chase non-existent um, fires. The New York Times carried an account the next day, January the 26th, about the strange unknown light that stretched from Alaska to Europe. 1941, so the war is now on, the Second World War. German in fact, on that night, the 25th or 26th, a, a spy, a Russian spy was being interrogated. He was a, a supporter of Trotsky, and therefore opposed to Stalin. <clears throat> and he managed to convince Stalin to make a pact with Hitler. Well, the Hitler, the, the pact was made, a non-aggression, but Hitler had other ideas, and he invaded um, Russia, taking Stalin by surprise, and winning, up, up, to, up until this moment, the Germans had won everything. They were, it was just full steam ahead, and he expected to, to, um, to end the war of Russia in a, cap, in a couple of months. But it didn't work out like that, for a number of reasons. <clears throat> um, Stalin had infiltrated the Russian Orthodox Church and he had removed um, uh, Tikom, who was was the patriarch, and replaced him with his own man, a man called Sergei Stragogotsky, who was, as I said, a, a KGB agent. And Sergio called on all Russians to support the motherland. He said forget whether the state is for us against us, support the motherland. And of course that rallying um, was because the people were deeply religious regardless of um, what the government um, did to them and they gathered to defend the motherland. And they were able to hold the, the Germans at bay. Then Pope Pius consecrated Russia, um, sorry, consecrated the world in October and the following year, in February, the Germans lost the battle of Stalingrad. And that was the beginning of the end of the Nazis. Stalin then recognized the patriotic value of religion And so he would now decide to use religion as a means to increase his own power and to control the people. And so Sergio was elected patriarch in place of Ticon, who had died. To make a big show of it, he had the consecration of um, Sergio as a big deal. And who was invited? But the Anglican Archbishop of York. Dr. Cyril Gabet, who arrived in Moscow and was so impressed that he, when he came back, he said that the communists are not at all against religion. Pope Pius XII wrote the exact opposite. And so who would listen to but Dr. Gabbet? And so the, the, um, the story begins to to get even more um, intense. Sergio died just eight months after his enthronement, but with Stalin's approval, he was succeeded by Alexius I, a KBG agent, and he was the one who brought the Russian Orthodox Church into the World Council of Churches. And I think most of us are old enough to know that the World Council of Churches became the greatest promoter of communism in the developing world, whether in South America or whether in Africa or in Asia. Suddenly Christianity had been infiltrated with a communist ethos, which at heart is atheistic. And I think even now we're seeing the effects of it because God matters less and less and what is center stage now is man. So that's basically the background to Fatima. What I want to do next time is to go and look at the details of the, each month, the apparition each month, and um, to explain to the best that I can you know, how we, we should approach Fatima and understand it. So having said that, I thank you. Not bad. I'll have to speak faster next time. Um, so we, I'm open to questions. Yes, you have the The question was, do I want to drink? Yes, please. Brian has a microphone, if anybody. No questions. I'll ask a question is the time um, good? would you prefer to start at 5.30 or can we start at 5 with the rosary and then go on? that's okay? Okay. five start with five with the rosary and then okay no questions yes yes Yes, uh, I would say there is a connection. um, And it's a connection of fulfillment. Because a hundred years ago, Our Lady um, was complaining about the God being offended by the crimes, by the sins of the human race. And um, today, it's very evident that there is reason to complain. Um, in a hundred years ago, already the, 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 more, the God's law was being removed from the legislation, but only being removed. Now we have anti-God's law being enacted in the legislation. Before, there was a call for the separation of church and state. Now we have a recognition of all religions as being equal, even Satanism. There are countries where Satanism, the worship of Satan, is regarded as a valid religion. We've seen in um, some universities the enthronement of Baphomet, the, there's a, a huge statue, statue of the devil placed in the middle of the university. There's blasphemy, God is insulted, our Lord is insulted, his mother is insulted publicly in the media, in, in Hollywood, and there's almost nothing we can do. Yet, a little cartoon of, of Muhammad with a bomb in his head and the whole Muslim world goes crazy, and everybody's silent. Yet the blasphemies against Christ, you know, are totally ignored. We've seen um, countries that were once Catholic are uh, uh, so violently, virulently anti-Catholic now. We, our, our the public manifestation of our faith is ridiculed. I remember just 30 years ago, there, were, there was the May and October processions. You know, from here, we go around the streets. Now, we're afraid to do so because of the ridicule that we go through and also the threats of violence. And that, that shows that we ourselves are lacking in conviction. So I, I see it all as basically a fulfillment of the failure to consecrate Russia and the failure for the church to stand firm. If the if the if the consecration were were did, if, the, if the consecration didn't have the power behind it, it would have been done. But the enemy knows that the consecration is a very powerful means for impeding his kingdom. We think of, of um, Ali de Guadalupe. You know, when, when the bishop built the chapel and the image was installed, what happened? The Indians who before were opposed to the Spani- to the Spanish, they came, they looked, they saw, they believed, they were able to understand the meaning of the painting. They asked for the waters that gave life. And within seven years, 10 million Aztecs entered the church without there being an increase in the number of priests available. They came, they looked at the image, they believed, and they asked for baptism. And Mexico remains such a firm, despite the persecutions, the persecutions under, under the um, Freemasons were from the late 1800s right through until John Paul went to Mexico in, how was it, 84, 85? No, perhaps it might have been before that, I think it's before he was shot. He went to Mexico. Up until John Paul went, it was forbidden for priests to wear clericals in the streets in Mexico. They wanted John Paul to take off a cassock. He said, no way, and he went, and that's when the change began. So all of these years, the Mexicans were suffering serious persecution. So on the, Scientology. Scientology, yes, well, I mean, that, that's one of the biggest frauds going, Scientology is rubbish, it's, it's, it's one of those cults that, that brainwash, I, I, I encountered them in London in 70, 72 or 73, and uh, they, they basically I was minding my own business, I was going down Good Street, and someone said, we'd like to do personality tests. Well, we all conceited. Everybody wants to know their personalities. So I took the test, and it didn't take me long to figure out, hey, this, they're asking the same questions in different ways. So I started to look at the questions more carefully, and answer them, and they took, it, they, took, they took five pounds from me, Um, and then they said my personality was I had a lot of things at the bottom of the graph so they said that um, that my subconscious was very powerful and that my conscious, I was very much in control of my conscious life and that that was unbalanced and they wanted to rearrange it okay so, and they promised that if I do it um if, if it didn't work for me, I'd get my five pounds back. So they started off. And again, they, it was literally nonsense. They took us up, there were three of us, they took us up to the, to the roof. And it was matter of mind control. So there was a glass, and you had to have the glass to move, move, move. So after I'd done this for five minutes, and I knew the glass wasn't going to move anyway, I said to them, this is ridiculous. The glass is not going to move. And they said, no, they had a bad attitude. So I said, you know, I'm my five pounds back. And that's when the problems began. I had to go to a lawyer to get an affidavit saying that I had not received the five pounds. So I said, but it'll cost me 10 pounds to go to the lawyer. <laughs> so at that point, I realized that I, there was a lame duck. I'd lost five pounds. So I said, okay. So I went home and I got a big box and I filled it with rubbish and I put it in the post addressed to them and it was a, they pay on collection of it. So I got my, (laughs) but that's basically what they do. The point is when you keep shouting, you get frustrated and you reach a point where your mind breaks and it's at that point they get you to become a member so it's basically mind control. There's several of them. The other one is silver mind control. They were here some years ago, um, working in the schools. They promised kids all kinds of things. So if you do their, their program um, and you pay a couple of hundred dollars, guaranteed you'll pass your exams. The moments are similar as well. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. you're sticking that, yes. Don't, don't forget, um, there have been the, the many the examples in scripture um, about it. Huh? Um, I think uh, Moses, Moses leading the people out of Egypt. They came to the promised land. What did they do? They sent the spies in. The spies went in, and they came back with the farming grants and the grapes. Remember, the, the, this huge. They said, "Look at what we've got. This is the land that f- f- has the, these grapes." There were twenty-four spies, two from each tribe. Two of them said, "We can capture the land." The other twenty-two said, "No. The people are giants. We are like We can't do it. Who did they listen to? What happened? They they failed to trust God. And so the people, the God said, not one of you who have seen all that I have done from Egypt till now, not one of you is going to enter into the promised land, except the two, Joshua and Caleb, who believed. They were the only two allowed to enter. Not even Moses. If we don't fulfill the conditions, we pay the consequences. What God wants from us is to trust Him. If you engage in God's work, you can expect opposition all the way. Adam. We are here because of Adam's sin. He didn't believe. Oh, he did believe, but he didn't obey. Peter, another case. When Peter, you know, fell asleep, fell into temptation, couldn't you stay awake? Yeah, there's another question. Mm The prayer dealing with Oh, I'm the angel of peace. Okay, um, well, my God, I believe, I adore that one, I adore, I trust, I love you, I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, do not love you, um, and then most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly, I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he's offended. To the infant merits, the most sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary. I beg the conversion of poor sinners. Then there's the, the prayer where he, he says, make everything you do a uh, sacrifice. I promise to bring peace to your country in this way, by making sacrifices. What, what I could do is I could make my notes available, um, I could email them um, to you if, if you have email contact or we, we can print them for next time if that would help, whichever is easiest. informed, we have to be informed, informed about our faith, um, informed about what God expects of us, essentially keep the commandments, okay, so the, the, the Ten Commandments are just the beginning, but remember the Ten Commandments only, keeping the Ten Commandments does not bring a reward, because that's what we are supposed to do. When your children do what you expect of them, you don't reward them. You reward them when they go beyond what is expected. And you punish them when they fail to do what is expected. The norm. So the Ten Commandments, and that's the problem with the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments only save from punishment. When Christ came, he now gives us the things that we are to do. So, for instance, he says, it is said to men of old, you shall, not be ang- you shall not kill. I say to you, you should not even be angry. If you kill, you're punished. If you're angry, you're punished. So, our Lord gives us something more to do. We, we are to become like him. Someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If someone takes your coat, give them your, your jacket as well, and so on. So we, we need to, be, we need to be, be informed, we need to know our faith, and then we need to do the things that are required of us. So we have the devotion to the Sacred Heart, we have the devotion to the Immaculate Heart, we have our daily prayers, which we are obliged to say, we have the corporate works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy, all of, all of these things. Because unless we put our faith in practice, unless we do it, We're not going to actually benefit from it. Eventually, we'll end up as Sunday Catholics, and then we'll end up as stay at home Catholics. Um, And so, the children need then to be catechized, they need to be instructed, they need to be informed. The other thing is, children, and we were all children, are highly idealistic. They want, they're want noble. They want to be martyrs. They, they want to aspire to sanctity. They want their, their vision is up there. But we don't give them that vision anymore. It comes down. And, and that's part of the problem. We don't give them anything to aspire to. And then we wonder, well, why don't we have vocations? If you notice, all through Fatima, from the angel right through to Our Lady and afterwards, there's a call for sacrifice to accept suffering, and so on. And we're told the exact opposite now. I hope I answered your question, at least some part. So, inform, instruct your children, teach them the faith. Um, Set high ideals, high standards for them. Um, There'll be resistance, but in the end, they, they will, in fact, thank you for it. That, that was my experience. Um. No others? it depends on what what level you want to answer the question. First of all, there's opposition to it. The Pope Pius XII, um, Eugenio Pacelli, he is called the Pope of Fatima for a number of reasons. First of all, he was consecrated Archbishop on the 13th of May, 1917. So, whilst the apparition was happening in Portugal, he was being consecrated in Rome by Pope Benedict the 15th. He was buried on the 13th of October, 1958. All of his pontificate, he had been pushing for the, cons- he believed in, in, in um, Fatima, and he was pushing for the consecration. He had reached, the, in 1954, he, de- he declared the dogma of the Assumption he had the coronation of Our Lady and he was planning to consecrate Russia in 54. And something strange happened. A priest by the name of Danis, he was a Belgian priest, a Jesuit, wrote an article in a Jesuit magazine in which he said, Fatima is divided into two parts. The first part, he said, happened. He couldn't deny it because the witnesses were very much alive. There were, the, the Sister Lucy was alive. The people at the kova were still alive. They had seen the miracle. The, son, the, 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 um, the, the, the night of the 25th, 26th of January, there were witnesses for it. There was hard evidence. There were newspapers. There, there were the investigations and so on. That was all there. He said, yes, that's occurred. And then he said, but the other part about the secret and the consecration, that was made up by the children. Well, in particular, by Sister Lucy. He was challenged and asked to speak to Lucy. He refused, but he, he, was, he, wrote, such, he wrote so well that he caused a doubt. And so there's a hesitancy about going ahead in the consecration. When Pope Pius died, John XXIII came, read the secret, and according to Cardinal Ottaviani and um, now his just deceased, Louis, Luigi Capovilla, who was the secretary to John XXIII, the Pope read it and said, "This is not a message for our time," and dismissed it. And so the excellent opportunity of doing the consecration at the, at the Vatican Council missed. But more than that, Pope John Twenty Third made an agreement with the communists there would be no mention of Russia or of the consecration to Russia at the council. And he did that so that the Russian Orthodox Church, could send delegates to the council who have to be KGB agents. And so at Vatican II, despite the fact that over a quarter of the bishops wrote a petition asking for the consecration, and among the bishops was Bishop Lester Gilley, who was a administrator here. He wrote asking for the consecration. Guess what? The... The bishop who was supposed to hand it in, I've forgotten his first name, Bishop of Metz, he forgot, he left it in the drawer, he said, and so the request was not granted. Paul VI refused as well to do it. John Paul attempted to do it, but did not mention Russia by name in 1984. He was shot in 1981, he went to Fatima in 1982, he met Lucy. He then came and wanted the consecration done. He, at, he, he wrote out a form of the consecration without mentioning Russia. Um, and he, he um, left it like that. It, so it was not fulfilled. However, 1984, five years later, out of the blue, what happened? R- Russia, the communist wall disappeared five years, inexplicably, we don't know how that happened, but Russia was not converted because the conditions had not been satisfied. So why it's not been done, I believe, because there are people higher up in the Vatican who do not want it done. And interestingly, Putin, Vladimir Putin, came to Rome last year, and he asked the Pope to consecrate Russia. And the Pope said, ah, we don't do that anymore. The Pope refused. As it says, our Lord said, because they will delay in carrying out my wishes, they will follow the King of France into misfortune. And I'll I'll deal with that when I come to the, the, the secrets. So, we, we we i'm afraid we'll have to go through something similar to the French revolution
1: I, I didn't hear the I said you cannot
0: say Jihad apparition that children and was all the children that see the food. Yes. So last week everyone saw so one of them is children. Okay. No, in the last apparition they saw the dance of the sun. Everybody saw that except the children. The children only saw pictures representing the, um, the rosary, the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries. Um, the children didn't need to see the dance of the sun. They had already seen the vision of hell. And that, that was a spiritual revelation to them. The dance of the sun was something that uh, belongs to the natural It's natural order, okay. And so the the miracle was to to convince the people of the truth of that the children were telling the truth, and they were credible witnesses. That was the purpose of the dance of the sun. It wasn't for the children; it was for the people around. And the miracle is important because it was predicted three months before. It was public, and no. the only other time that a public miracle was promised was of course the resurrection. the Resurrection from the dead. Even Moses didn't tell Pharaoh in advance what was going to happen, he just did it. You know, but to, to say it's going to happen and then for it to happen, it means that it must be of divine origin. Okay, Okay. so thank you very much. Um, as I said, next week, no, in two weeks' time, we'll, we'll have the, the, the talk on the details of the apparition, why the 13th, um, well, sorry, on on yeah, on, on the months, why the 13th, why our lady is dressed the way she was, um, and, uh, and, and so on. And um, we'll take it from there. So if... I don't know what's the best way to. If you want my notes, I can do it either by email. Um, so we need your email address or um, a hard copy. You can photocopy. But um, if we could, we could organize that for next time. Okay, thank you very much. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. We give thee thanks, O Lord, for these and all thy benefits, who lives and reigns world without end. We fly to thy patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our prayers and our necessities, but ever deliver us from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin, Our Lady of Fatima, St. Joseph. Through the intercession of our guardian angels may almighty God keep and bless you the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us bless the Lord. Okay, thank you. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today.